0: But in my box, I have... Well, she had grown up in... I have a craft beer and um, some sourdough. And did you know that that Adelaide has over 20 craft breweries in the CBD and the suburbs? 20 local artisan breweries. And sourdough, if you've been paying attention to any lockdowns, has become the cool kid on the bread block. Um, I asked the... The guy at the cafe I go to and said, oh, to the chef, do you make sourdough? He goes, oh, yeah, I used to. It's really to do with your starter. And he said, some of the best in the world, you know, 50 years old, they keep a bit and keep adding it and all this sort of stuff. And Tyson and I asked for a loaf of his sourdough and he said, oh, it's got mold now, so he couldn't give it to me. But, but, but we love artisan things, right? It, it's a huge um, market for microbreweries and sourdough bread that's rustic and and not so perfect as this baker's delight one, but we love this sort of stuff. And what's amazing is when we open the pages of our Bible we, we meet a God who can be described as the ultimate artisan. In the Christian Bible, we discover our world and all that is in it has been created by a loving God for the purpose of sharing his love. And no more so than people who are made in God's image. And we saw that in a Bible reading, especially in Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, For you created me, my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Our human body, all our faculties, are designed by the master artisan. And at one level... Hearing that today, I'm sure for some of you, is no longer a revelation. You might say, or have friends that would say, well, if God exists, of course God must think I'm wonderful. Of course God must love me. Today, it's not so much the concept of a God of love and wonder that we need to rediscover, though we do. I think it's the other way, that if our bodies are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made, why then are we so deeply unhappy with our bodies? How do we reconcile the two, fearfully and wonderfully made, profoundly unhappy with who I am? So let's kick that around today and see what God has to say about our bodies. How they can indeed be wonderfully made, yet they are at the same time flawed. Because Christianity has space for both of these truths to exist together. Now if you are like me in some ways, I suspect you don't often think too much about your body. Not all the time every day. Maybe you do. But I have three reasons where I think sometimes in our life, for a season, we may give more thought to our bodies than at other times. Here's three. Maybe you can relate to some of them. But what do you think of your body? We might disdain our bodies. This is the idea that we might only think about it when something goes wrong. We become self-conscious about our appearance. A new pain develops somewhere. Our senses start to fail, and we notice that. We may have unwanted sexual desires, sickness. Old age might be creeping up on us, and we begin to struggle with our weight and the way we look. I noticed this a few weeks back, oh, actually, June, sorry. I had a knee injury running, and it was horribly painful. I went to the sports med guy, and he said, do these stretches and you'll be fine. And within four weeks, I was feeling okay. And then the next week, I pushed too hard, and I got shin splints. And I remember thinking, ah, my body isn't doing what I want it to do. I was disdaining my body. Or maybe we go the other way. If some of us think too little of our bodies, others think too highly of them. Or we glorify our bodies. We idolise them. This is the idea that we become obsessed and addicted with how our body looks or behaves. Being youthful, bigger muscles, flatter stomach, a certain weight, wearing certain clothes, diet, exercise, maintaining a status quo so that we look desirable in others' eyes. A self-love that just goes too far. And our body becomes our identity. And that can lead to a number of health problems too, like anorexia and poor mental health. Or the third option: maybe you want to escape your body. This is the idea that what's inside and what's outside are in conflict. And we need to modify one or the other to be true to ourselves. Whatever our biological or physical reality, there are many people in, the, in our culture who feel a deep and profound sense of uneasiness with who they are in their bodies. This is often referred to as gender dysphoria. And it's a real issue, and it's a, a sensitive one, and it needs understanding and care to talk about And in this instance, if this is someone you know, you feel this way, the only way you think you can reconcile who you are is to escape one of the other, to transform into someone else. That seems like the best hope. But you see, far from something to disdain or glorify or escape, the Christian scriptures give us another unique perspective on our bodies. A way to help us make sense of them and who we are. God's perspective. And what's important to hear at this moment as we explore bodies, the Christian scriptures give us a vision for our bodies that is different to what our culture says. But it never does this in a judgmental or unsympathetic way. God isn't into body shaming. The Christian God actually knows all about our bodies and he knows what you think of your body. He knows the struggles we have in our body. He knows the mental health and the well-being and the gender challenges that you and me face every day. He understands the brokenness in our world and, most profoundly, within us. And he offers us grace and truth as we navigate our body struggles. In the words of Apostle Paul in Romans 8.23, Romans 8.23, Our bodies aren't actually in need of escape or abandonment. They need to be redeemed. We wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, he says. All that Jesus has done in his life, death and resurrection is not in order for one day to escape our bodies, but so that God can redeem our bodies. You know, God thinks very highly of the body you have. Probably he thinks higher of it than you do. So let's explore this in two psalms, Psalm 139 and Psalm 103. And we'll see that both of them give us two different perspectives on our bodies. The wonder and care that God has made them with, how precious they are to him. Yet also the frailty and the struggle that we have in our body so often. So what does God say about your body? Well, firstly, God is not repulsed by your body. So in Psalm 139, we learn it was written by David, who was a king of God's people. And and it's said that Psalm 139 was written to be sung as you go to the temple to worship God. What's interesting is that if if that's what happened, if this was one of the temple songs to be sung on your way to to worship God... What David does in this song is singing about God's sovereignty over his life with a very special focus on his own body. So in the first 12 verses of Psalm 139, David describes and praises God for how God is always with him, wherever he goes. Theologians call this God's omnipresence. No matter where David goes, God is there and knows all about him. When he stands, when he sits, what he says, go to the furthest depths of the ocean, the highest mountain, and God is that he can't escape. It's breathtaking. And then in verses 13 to 18, David moves from praising God for his knowledge of all things, sorry, from his knowledge of him to his knowledge of all things. Theologians call that his omnipresence, his omissions. Even the womb, his point, even the womb is known to God. Look at verse 14 and 15. Sorry, 13 to 15. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, woven together in the depths of the earth. David speaks of being created and made with great care and attention. Now, it's not misleading language or wrong to say that about your body, actually, because this isn't the only thing God says about our bodies in the Bible. We are deeply broken, and we are wonderfully made at the same time. In the last lockdown we had, I decided to do something very dangerous and start cooking. And at one point, the kids and me were cutting out biscuit shapes. And as happens with kids especially, when you start cutting out biscuit shapes, you get to the end of the dough and there's little bits left, scrappy pieces that are half eaten and just and you kind of gather it together and roll it as best you can and you want to make a nice balayshua house but as you put the mould on you know that it's going to turn out pretty ugly and it's only held together at that point by grace and love and it goes in the oven and you know it's going to look burnt and there's lumps in it and it's horribly not as you intended it to be yet it comes out and you know, it still tastes reasonably okay.
1: But there's leftover shape.
0: That isn't anything like what God thinks about you or how he made your body. God has not said, I'll give you all the leftover bits from the influences and your sister that I gave to them just so I can form you because I had to do something. Even if you feel like there's leftover biscuit bits this morning, God is not repulsed at your body as if it is a mistake. He is intentional in creating you as you are. God is not repulsed by your body. Secondly, God gave you your body to live in. When we meet God in Psalm 139, he's described as a tailor. Not creating a scarf or a pair of pants, but delicately knitting by hand you in the world as one who placed us there with great care. Way back in youth ministry when I was um, doing that many years ago, I met a young man who was very much aware that his parents did not plan to have him. They made that very known to him. His brothers and sisters made that very known to him. He was the youngest with a huge gap between him. And when he was annoying his brothers and sisters, they would say, you're an accident. Mom and dad never meant to have you. It's a sensitive issue. It was something that he carried around with him for a long, long time. He grew up thinking, he said, I wasn't supposed to exist. What he didn't realise, this man who became a Christian, is that that's not the way God saw him. He wasn't looked over in God's agenda. He was a person of intent. We see that in these verses. David says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes, that's God's eyes, saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me, written in your book, before one of them came to be. All the days of his life, written out by God, before one of them had even happened. Even given the body, God designed for him. Now in that, you notice that woven together and all the days God ordained work in harmony God has included your body in his plan for your life Your body is not a mistake the changes you're going through in your body they have already been accounted to you by God Did you know that Christian scripture tells us that our body is a gift from God It's a gift worth praising God for. And that's the next point. Therefore, give thanks to God for your body. Verse 17 to 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. And in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What's precious to David is God's thoughts of David. It's praiseworthy to know that God's thoughts of you are precious. But importantly, David, he's not praising his body. It's directed at the one who sees him fully and completely in every single moment. Who has the most accurate vision of him. That's God. God knows all about his ways. But he knows his bones and sinews, and his freckles and his hair and his muscles and his age, which means David can look at his body and praise him, praise God for God's wonderful vision for himself. And the more he considers God, as the psalm goes on, the more he's filled with wonder and joy, because God's thoughts to him of a frail, flawed, broken man. Do you see that David's prize is not himself, but it's God's thoughts of him? That's what he cherishes. And that's why he can thank God for his body. And I can hear the squirming by some of you to say, I should thank God for my body. You must be joking, Luke. You clearly have no idea about my body and my struggles because otherwise you wouldn't call me to do something so ridiculous. But this is why we have Psalm 139. To reveal to us, to remind us something much higher, more wonderful about us and our bodies than you'd ever expect. Your body's a gift made by the ultimate artisan. People say, life's a gift, my kids are a gift. But have you ever thought of your body as a gift? I think perhaps one reason we don't is that whenever we think of our body, we just think of the limitations, don't we? The frustrating limits. I used to do this, I can't, I've never been able to do that, I can't. I have glasses, I can't see. You know, my kids make fun of me. I have a lump on my head. When I was doing youth ministry, often the the year six, sevens would come up to me and say, what's the thing on your head? You know, People would make fun of your body, you'd think of the limitations. But David isn't concentrating on the limits in this psalm. He's focusing on God's intent. How can you thank God for your body? Well, it begins by seeing that it's a gift from God. God has given you the body designed just for you. It's wonderfully made, even with limitations and imperfections. And we see God's knowledge of our limits in our next psalm, Psalm 103. Yes, your body isn't perfect, and that's not a remarkable statement. But it isn't. And David's the author of this psalm as well. And in this psalm, David again reflects on God's knowledge of how he's made, but from a different angle. In verse 13 to 16, we read, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over, it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. So in Psalm 139, David looks at God's handiwork and says, Marvelous! And in Psalm 103, he looks at God's handiwork and says, Temporary! Like a flower in a field. And I I thought of that two weeks ago in the Flinders. The the rain has been incredible up and you can see the wildflowers, the hues of red and orange and yellow as you drive along the side of the road. Just remarkable fields of them everywhere. All these beautiful, small, brightly coloured flowers that just glitter the landscape. And as you drive along, you're struck by two things, the beauty and the temporiness of it. Because in a few weeks, they'll be gone. The heat, the wind, poof, the place will know it, no. Wonderful, but oh so temporary. And that's a vivid picture of our bodies, our life, subject to frailty and memory loss and age and sickness. But also in this psalm, you see when David reflects on the temperiness of God, he doesn't refer to God as a creator. He refers to God as a compassionate father. That's wonderful. Do you see God's tender, fatherly care towards his frail people? He knows our body is subject to a sinful world. He knows that others may take advantage of your body. He knows that your body is not going to work as you'd expect. He knows that our bodies become ground zero for sin. But our imperfections don't take away God's care for us. After all, God who made nature is more merciful and kind than nature. Look at verse 17 to 18. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. There's a contrast our frailty and God's limitless, loyal love and righteousness towards his people. He's made us in a wonderful way. He loves us in our weakness, He loves our bodies in all the height and weight and size, the ability, the sickness, they do not determine God's love for us. There is so much body safety when we start to see ourselves the way our compassionate God does. Yes, we are sinners and imperfect in this life. But we also learn that we're not disgusting or hideous creatures either. Now, where we start to feel and be comfortable in ourselves is not found in what we look like. It's found in what we look at. It's because of Jesus that we can say, it's not what I have done in my body. It's not what others have done to my body that now counts. It's what Jesus has done in his body that counts for me. Loved in the body I have. Even if it's tricky to navigate every day in this body, and that's the biblical vision of our bodies. And to know this translate into two translates into two really important ways forward for us. Firstly is one of compassion and beauty. God knows that we're fragile, and He's compassionate to us as a loving father. That's what Psalm 103, 139 have shown us. As we listen to that, we let God's words shape us for those few moments. And some of us feel the brokenness of our body more than others, and the stage of a life we're in may be very obvious one way or the other. But what our compassionate God offers us is exactly what Romans 8.23 says. A redeemed body. Yes, our bodies will one day be restored. But restored doesn't mean Jesus is going to give us a flat stomach and better leg muscles or eyesight. God isn't conforming us to our culture's idea of beauty in the redeemed body. We'll have a better body, yes. But as Sam Albrey points out, with these new bodies, we'll be able to glorify and serve Jesus perfectly. There's a Christian lady called Joni Erickson. ta she was paralysed from the neck down in a car accident when she was 16. And she's now over 60 years old. And She has said the very first thing she's going to do with her new resurrected body is fall on her knees before Jesus in worship. Which means Jesus gives us a perspective about our bodies today that says, I have the body God meant for me to have, even when not everything about it is wonderful. I have the body God meant for me to have, even when not everything about it is wonderful. And that comes from a compassionate father to his children. And what that means for us is that when we kick around in our sphere of the world and we know that God is the author of everybody, it should make us unusually compassionate to others. And when we see body struggles. When you find yourself this week in a conversation and you don't know what to say, and you gulp because maybe Paul in finance shares about his son's sickness, or Amy begins to talk about her struggle with her sexuality, or Grant's having a hard time with his aging parents, or someone that you know is struggling with who they are, we should have the most compassion. Which means, why not ask a question in that moment? Don't think of the answer. Just ask a question. Show that you've listened. Sympathise with how hard it must be from one broken person to another. You may not be able to say, I know what that's like. But you can say, we're all in this together. Because Romans 8 puts us in the same boat. All of us making our way as fallen people in a fallen creation. And God's compassion to you and me means we can now show unusual compassion ridiculous compassion, buckets full of compassion to others. But that's not the only thing people need to hear either. There is a beauty to God's vision for our bodies too. You see, the message of Christianity is not, don't be happy. The Gospel of Jesus Christ says, in the person of Jesus, in the wisdom of Jesus, and on the way with Jesus, you will discover a happiness your heart and mind most deeply longs for because there's a joy and a beauty in knowing god as psalm 16:11 said from the old ages talk you've made known to me your presence in your life there's fullness of joy forevermore it's the idea that fullness of joy in god's presence for eternity and there's a beauty in that in knowing god's intent for our bodies and knowing that here is not all there is how wonderful How beautiful that Jesus can cover our body shame. He can forgive our bodily abuse. He can look at our bodies and love them as they are and offer us living water and the bread of life to satisfy our bodies every way, every day of this life. Grace for our bodies is what God offers us. So that we can say, as Psalm 139 verse 14 says, when I look at my body... I know full well that God's thoughts about me are precious and praiseworthy. And so I wonder this morning, do you know that your body is fearfully and wonderfully made by a compassionate, loving and redeeming God? Yes. With all the brokenness you face, that is still true. And maybe this week, what you and me need isn't to be spending as much time looking in the mirror or influences Or longing for what we've lost in our bodies. But in Jesus. The radiant, perfect image of God. Who each day can bring us one step closer to himself. And who will one day redeem our bodies. All for his glory. Because Christianity says, your body is not all there is. Jesus is going to redeem it. So that you too can fall on your knees and worship God. I do hope and pray that you to have that vision of God for your body, the same way God does. Next week, we'll kick that around some more, particularly around what it means that Jesus had a body and why that's so important to the Christian hope. Let me pray and hand back to Tim. Our God, you have made us in your image. And we confess and reflect on the truth that that's wonderful. Yet we know that there is a struggle that we have day by day in our bodies. Brokenness, sinfulness. Yet Lord, you offer us grace and redemption for our bodies. Living water, may you satisfy us, Jesus, with yourself today. As we go into work and school and uni on Monday morning, would we know we're fearfully and wonderfully made? And your vision for us is that our body is not what there is. We praise you for who we are, and we glorify you, because you're the wonderful, beautiful one. So give us compassion, show us your beauty, in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Tim.